Full transparency. I understand the world better than anyone. There's sounds in the sky. The rapture is coming. Yeah. There's lizard people out there. We had a shop in Mormon when we lived in Mormon. Our family was in Mormon. Full fists are swinging by my face. I'm like, and then he would just kind of go on these little rants or tangent, tangent, whatever the word is. Nothing that's great in life is is easy, you know? Yeah. There's a nice quote that I feel like you're on your way to say. <laughs> All right. So the tats are healing good? Yeah. Yeah, man. You um, finally did it. Yeah, yeah. I immediately want to get, uh, I want to balance it out on this leg. <laughs> Do you? how that works. Really? Eh? Yeah, it's like you look at the one leg and you're like, that's nice art, you know? Maybe I should put it on the other side. Man, it looks really good. I'm, yeah, I'm really happy with how it turned out, man. He did a good job. You know, with his style of art, I, I I honestly wasn't exactly sure, but I guess at the end of the day, when you give him a template and like he's just tracing it essentially, so yeah. yeah, he did a he did a great job. I'm surprised he got some of the detail in there. Yeah, like with his hand wraps and. Yeah, like with the hand wraps and just the little. I I didn't. I told him to not put the BMT and like a couple other things in there, but. Just, yeah. yeah, it's already busy. busy it, exa it exactly. Like yeah, to put BMT on the belt line there, like yeah. it would just be like it looked like shit over time. I think. So yeah, Jesse got his black belt as everybody knows now and he got a tattoo of one of the BMT logos on his leg and he got a black belt on his arm, so. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, I'm sure I've told this story before, but you know that um, that's Seth Stacy. he's another black belt in the yeah. BMT system and um, just talk about like early on commitment. You know, it's like he, he believed that he was about that life early on. Mm -hmm. He was an orange belt and he got a full back tattoo of the Bang Muay Thai logo. That's savage. Like in my mind, I'm like, yeah, once I get my black belt, like I'll treat myself and I'll get <laughs> yeah. a black belt tattoo. Yeah. And he's just like, no, nah, I'm there. I'm an orange belt, but like, let's go so and he's a black belt now right yeah and it was funny because he he got that full back tattoo and so he's rocking a bmt black or a bmt logo on his back and then he's a brown belt and i think while he was a brown belt Dwayne ludwig made the rule that you have to have a fight and have won he didn't have a fight and so here he is with a full back tattoo of the mm -hmm. bmt logo and like he can't get his black belt unless he fights fucking badass just signed up for a fight and ended up winning yeah yeah fought some other big guy i think it was just a kickboxing fight um, but yeah, he looked good, man. I remember seeing that. Yeah. That's one thing that I, um, like I finally, I have a lot of tattoos. I finally hit a place after my last one where I, I feel content. Huh. Like I'm not saying I won't ever get another tattoo because right. I, I'm sure I will, but I, that's how it was for me. Like you say your one leg feels bare now and you're like, geez, I might have to get another one. <laughs> I always got something and then I liked it, but I was like, oh, but like I, I just need to fill this area in now. Right. Now that I have this, I need to fill this other area in. <laughs> and I went through this for like a decade until I finished up on my stomach. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I, I'm actually good now, you know? It's a bit of a, like, puzzle with your body. Like, yeah. you almost have to, like, with, the reason I got this right here was because the spacing. I think they call this patchwork. Okay. Makes like, sense. I, I think that's the style of tattoo that I okay. have on my left arm where it's just, like, random little pieces of art where they're separated. Yeah. Um, but the the balance was off these two were too close together in like a straight line mm. and the spacing was all good with all the other ones so i had to throw throw that in there just to kind of bring it all closer yeah so i'll probably have to do a couple more just to kind of fill it all in but then yeah. i'll be done off this arm because i i want it to stay a patchwork arm yeah. you know i like that style and that's why i think i was so you know this i had so much discontent with mine is because i had the style with filler in the background to basically right. blend it all together and then, so it would all be attached, but then there would be a bear part and it oh. would just, I, it was, I was so like, I was like, I gotta, I gotta get something. Yeah. So, yeah. um, 
What else is new, bro? <laughs> um, man, uh, you know, it's funny. I was, so this is something that I haven't like given like that much, um, thought with, but just this morning, this came into my mind. So I'm going to try to get through this, might butcher it, but I'll try. Um, you know, the word indifference. Yeah. I've heard that a lot with like our stoic books. Like they always tell you to kind of be indifferent. Yeah. You know, if somebody compliments you, it shouldn't affect your mood. If somebody insults you, it shouldn't affect your mood. You exactly. should just be who you are and you know your own truth you know who you are and you should just be like you know almost like stable you should like care very little of the opinions of other whether they're good or bad mm -hmm. and I feel like I'm I'm like pretty damn good at that and I'm gonna kind of go on like a long little spiel and I'm sure we'll kind of go ba bouncing around but um I don't know throughout my life man I've I've always not always, but sometimes I would just ask myself, like I'd have moments of obviously like extreme gratitude and joy. You know, like I love what I do. I love the path I'm on. I know it's the right path that I'm on, but then there'll be times where I'm like, is this it? Is this what life is? Mm -hmm. Mediocre emotions every now and then a little bit of joy, little drips of sadness. Like I don't feel that much that often. Like when I picture like a great life, like I feel like, um, like truly feeling emotions. And I'm listening to Aubrey Marcus talk and he was talking about like that was his idea of a warrior poet. He said a poet is someone who lives life with an open heart. And I like that idea where it's like you, you truly experience and express yourself and really feel life. Whether again, it's sadness, anger, happiness, joy, whatever. Um, I feel like there's a part of me that like is shut off. Like there's a valve that shut off where I don't get to experience those extremes. It's almost like someone who, um, not everybody, but a lot of people that go on antidepressants will sometimes feel flatlined. Mm -hmm. I've sometimes felt that before. Um, again, there's moments where I don't feel that and I do feel like, you know, joyous moments or whatever gratitude. Um, but the reason I'm, I'm kind of like bringing this up is because like, I, again, I've like asked myself that before, like, is this it? Is this, is this what life is? Like, this is what everyone's all fucking gung-ho about? Like, it's almost like that Tom Segura where he's like, let's wrap this shit up. <laughs> like, if that's all it is, let's, let, let's wrap it up. There's another 50 years of this. So I'm listening to Aubrey Marcus. He had Aaron Rodgers on his podcast. Have you heard that? No, is that, is he an athlete? Yeah, okay. so I, I don't, yeah, same thing. Everyone, a lot of other people are probably going to know who he is. Yeah. If, Football? If, yeah. Okay. He's like one of the greatest to ever do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, I don't even know what team he plays for. 49ers? I don't know. <laughs> San Francisco? Maybe. Doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, like legend in the sport, super high-level football player. Uh, but he was talking about how uh, he had a lot of that. He had this this mindset of like, I don't care whether I, I win or lose the game as you know, as long as I, as long as I just show up and I, and I work my ass off or I don't care about, um, how other people view me in the world. I don't care about criticism. Like, I just don't care. Like that was kind of his, his attitude. Uh, he recently did ayahuasca and boy, did that ever open the floodgates. And so I'm listening to this podcast between Aubrey Marcus and Aaron Rodgers. Um, obviously Aubrey, I've, I've looked up to in, in many ways and in, in many years I've, I've looked up to him. I've always, I've liked his well-balanced approach to life. And, uh, this Aaron Rodgers guy had a similar thing as what I had. It sounded like, like where he was like, um, it's not feeling a whole lot. It was just mm -hmm. kind of like a, a mediocre 
existence <laughs> in, a, in a way. <laughs> Even though he's living this great life, he's yeah. a multimillionaire, legend in the football game, like mm -hmm. he's on his path, and he and he did love it. But he said he's like, I just always felt like I could, I should feel more. I need to, f like, feel more, experience more. And he does ayahuasca, and here's these fucking guys talking to each other, and Aubrey Marcus is like, basically just telling him how much he appreciates their friendship, and Aubrey just starts crying, and like in my mind, I'm like, that right there, that's what I'm lacking. I would never cry telling someone I love them. I hardly cry when someone close to me passes away. I don't like, I don't feel as much as I want to sometimes. That's, um, Aubrey's the best example of somebody who feels to both ends of the spectrum. Yes. Probably because a lot of the choices and experiences he's had with psychedelics, but yeah, yeah he's very openly you know, emotional. He wears his heart on his sleeve. Yeah. He's the warrior poet. And that's the, again, that was his mindset with yeah. being a warrior poet was to like live life with an open heart. And I kind of like even that one sentence. I just like that. Like trying to live with an open heart and just really feel things and not be so closed off emotionally. Um, that's kind of like with the book we, you know, we were talking about last time. And I, I talked about how there was a chapter in there that said, you know, the way of the superior man is to, um, basically live life with your heart open like don't be closed off don't think that that's a masculine trait to be all stoic all the time and never feel anything like you should belly laugh with your with your partner you should you know love the shit out of your kids and have these laughs and feel sadness or whatever um but anyway i'm hearing these guys talk and i hear aaron Rodgers. you know it's like he's trying to like share this story with aubrey and he can hardly get through it and he's kind of laughing but he's just crying he's like he's like he's emotional talking about for the first time in his life, ayahuasca showed him how to love himself. He's like, I never knew, I never knew that before. He's like, my self-talk before was like, you're never good enough. You're not good enough. Even though I was the greatest football player in the world, like two-time MVP, mm -hmm. um, millions of dollars, and yet in his mind, he was like, you're a piece of shit. You're not worth it. Nobody loves you. <laughs> and, and and so he's doing... He's, we're hard on ourselves. <laughs> dude, we're ruthless with ourselves. And so he's, he's like sharing this experience. And I'm not even done the podcast yet, but he, he said at one point, um, that's what the ayahuasca was doing. It kept telling him, it kept repeating his own internal voice saying like, nobody loves you. You're, you're, you're not worth it. You're unworthy. Nobody loves you. And then... All of a sudden, I think it asked him a question of like, um, could you could you point to someone in this room? There's like 20 people that he's doing the ayahuasca experience with. Could you point to someone in this room that you think would love you? And right away, as he said, his mind went to Aubrey Marcus because apparently they've been like really close, like through this um, psychedelic journey and whatever. And he just said like he was like right when he thought of Aubrey, he just felt like this rush of like like true French friendship and like love and they, yeah they get into like this crazy conversation of like uh, self love psychedelic journey um, self talk as far as like hating yourself and being so hard on yourself. So just to back it up, yeah, when they were talking about their friendship, it was Aubrey that opened up and just started crying, or both of them? Both of them. So okay. and the, yeah, like within half an hour of each other like first Aubrey was just like it, it came out of nowhere he's yeah. literally just talking and all of a sudden he just gets overwhelmed with this feeling of gratitude which brought him to tears and then Aaron Rodgers starts talking about his experience and lo and behold he starts to like tear up and I'm like man this is like um I don't know I, I think that's why sometimes I'll cry in movies it's not that it's not always that like I'm feeling sad. It's like I see someone else getting emotional and it, like that almost triggers something weird in me mm -hmm. and I almost like will like mimic that emotion. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's weird, man. So you, so you just feel like you admire those people who are able to feel more. Like you want that just to make life feel better and more depth to your life, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, I, yeah. I feel like, um, and we'll get into it, but I, I think there's a large part of the world and people right now that have dopamine fatigue. I think we are on our phones too much. I think we have too many options as to what we can eat and when we can eat. I think there's too much mm. stuff in the world. Sensory overload. I think that it's killing our emotions. I feel like we're slowly turning into this weird robotic shitty species. It might be good in the future, but something tells me it's not going to be. Mm. Like if we keep going down this path. I feel like we're losing our ability to be humans and have empathy towards other people. Mm-hmm. And I, and some, and again, this is like one of somebody at our gym, actually, they gave us a good compliment. They, they, they said they really liked our podcast and they said, we like how you guys just like are on the fly talking about these things that sometimes you don't even understand, but you're almost like trying to figure it out on the podcast. So this is one of those podcasts. Yeah. Um, but it just feels like if, at least for me, I have like, I don't know if I have, yeah, dopamine fatigue. Something is like zapping my ability to feel the way that I want to feel. Mm. The times that I felt the way that I wanted to felt, I had drug help. I had the help of a substance. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's a that's an awesome thing. It can almost like open the valve or the floodgate or, or give you a little glimpse of what life could be if you could tap into that more often. Mm-hmm. And it seems like that's what Aaron Rodgers was going through because here he is sober, still crying, still feeling this immense amount of gratitude. And I think I've just gotten a little bit detached from that spirit realm. A lot of people don't like going down that rabbit hole. I do. I've always had like kind of a, I've always been compelled and I'm always intrigued to that side of life, Mm -hmm. to that like spirit world, psychedelic substance, substances that can help in some way. Mm -hmm. I don't view them as drugs. I feel them as like, whatever they're doorways they're here to help us when Mm -hmm. we need it Mm -hmm. if we feel called to it you know have you ever read thinking fast and slow no like david common or something it's interesting because just what what you talk about having a flat existence and not feeling a whole lot we have psychologically he breaks it down that we have two selves we have our experience experiencing self and our remembering self and like, let's say you go on a trip, like a destination wedding. It's a week. You're with all your friends. When you look back a year later, your remembering self is like, that was so fun. Like if I could only go back and be there. Mm. And it was like this, the best time of your life, your remembering self. But then if you actually go back to yourself, your experiencing self, it's, it's not necessarily all that good. Right. It's like you're waiting at the airport. You're on this hot bus and like you have a stomach ache you get there, like something happens where you're frustrated, you know, like you're waiting for your room, you know, like you have these good moments of like, Oh, you have a good meal. You have good laughs with friends, but then there's like more time. Like maybe you, you know, you eat something bad. You have a stomach ache for two days and like, maybe you're not sleeping great. And, but then if you, a year later, you're remembering self is like this amazing trip, right? Like it was a dream. I just want to go back. And it just talks about how our remembering self is I guess you could say more optimistic on our lives. Right. But if you go back to the moments, it's like for the most part, things aren't that great. It's kind of dull. <laughs> right. And see, and, and that, so, and that's what I wonder, like, and again, I don't know the answers, but I like, are we supposed to f- feel more in the moment? 
have we just got so attuned to like remembering and recalling events that have happened and then we can reminisce and be like yeah that was like a really great time but and why you see pictures and you're all smiling yeah but why can't we feel that when we're there like i've seen people before that like they'll they'll go to the lake and they they look at the lake and they're just like you can tell they're so happy and i'm looking at them being like give me some of that do you know what it's almost like? It's almost like if you look at a child, they have that enthusiasm still. And then throughout life, it's almost like your drain gets clogged a bit. And yeah. things aren't as, uh, you know, fantastic anymore. And things are kind of dulled out. And you can do things like ayahuasca, DMT, you know. Meditation. Meditation. Whatever. To kind of unclog those drains a bit and get a glimpse into this brilliant life right. and this brilliant opportunity that we actually are fortunate enough to live right but if you just kind of live the standard life it just gets more and more clogged and it's like a blue sky i don't care there's a blue sky every day yeah you know um a beautiful ocean view it's like whatever i got shit to do right and it, it takes so much work to try to like or to be able to feel and appreciate like like we should it's almost like we all have we inherently have this but it just gets so blurred and clogged you know and it's so hard to just recapture that 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 brilliance that there you know we should always have it's it's like remember mark symbolist he said he when he moved to the mountains it was like he couldn't fucking believe it and then within like a month or three months he was like i could care less like yeah. you don't even notice the mountains anymore yeah. like come from coming from saskatchewan goes to the mountains it's a crazy scenery beautiful he's awestruck two months later it's it's like you're living in saskatchewan again you don't even notice it yeah. like and I remember like uh, some of the shamans in Peru, they would always say you should do a psychedelic once every three months because it keeps you grounded. And I wonder, like, and I, again, I don't want to like, yeah, just preach psychedelics only, but man, I feel like humans need help. I, I think we're, we're very obsessed with mental and physical, but we're lacking spiritual. Mm, yeah. That's how I feel. Yeah. And I'm not speaking for everyone, but I feel like myself, like physically, physically, I got it. Like mentally, I'm working on it. I read a lot of books. I try to write. I'm playing Sudoku's all the time now. Aaron's got me hooked on those. Or not Aaron. Uh, Sue actually got it for me. Never mind. Not Aaron. Um, but uh, as far as the spiritual spirituality part, um, I feel like that's, that is something that psychedelics can tap into and help you live a better life. It's not always about mental and physical. There's something else that we're missing here. I feel like a lot of people confuse spiritual with mental. They yeah. think that they're doing the spiritual work right. because they're doing the mental work, but it's a different it's thing. It's different. Yeah. You know, it was interesting. I just thought of this. Aaron Rodgers was saying that when he, um, he had an injury and he went to India or something to get it looked at or get it worked on. And, you know, obviously he's got loads of money. So he's probably like somebody referred him to like this, you know, this is the best place to go for that type of injury. So he goes there. If you went to a hospital in North America with an injury, they would tackle the physical first. You came with them with a knee injury, they'd be like, okay, we're gonna fix your knee. They went spiritually, spiritually, mentally, then if they needed to, then they would go to the body. Mm -hmm. They were finding out like where you were like rotting on the inside. Like wh what was your experience like, you know, as a, as a kid, what kind of trauma are you bringing to this? Are you holding tension in that knee? Is that why it, it got fucked up? Cause we hold wow. trauma in the body. Mm -hmm. So like, what were you holding on to that caused your knee? And obviously there's freak accidents. You get hit by a car, yeah. you're playing football. Somebody blows your knee out. Like that's not you holding trauma. That's a yeah. 300 pound muscle bound <laughs> steroid dude smashing your knee to pieces. Yeah. <laughs> but 
I just, the idea that they had where it was like, this is all connected. We're not just obsessing over the physical. We're tackling the spiritual. Then we're going to tap in, do some brain scans. Then we'll take care of your body. And he was like, man, it was refreshing. It was really cool. Some of the tests, some of the questions they asked me, like it was helping me understand myself more. Mm -hmm. Um, But just that idea of like, even they would know that you store trauma in the body. So that was one of the first things that they wanted to to Mm -hmm. decipher. Interesting. Yeah. So if you look at Aubrey Marcus, like we said, he is a great example of somebody who lives on the furthest spectrum of feeling, you know, of, of, of feeling this emotion, living with emotion. Aubrey is somebody who's taken ayahuasca and DMT how many times, countless times, among yeah. other things, iboga, whatever else. Is that the answer then? Like, do you think you would need to go to Peru and do this kind of shit to feel what you feel like you should be feeling or or what is it? it it might not like i don't know the answer it might not be you know it might not be peru maybe it's just a little bit more frequent um psychedelic use like you and i always talk about this what was one of the most impactful um times of our lives together like doing mushrooms together. doing the first time we did mushrooms together yeah. that was one of the like when i think of like you and i together um like some of the most impactful moments, like obviously like, yeah, you came with me for the fight. We went to Denver together. We've just been on a martial art journey, but one of maybe the first thing that comes to mind, the thing that like, I feel like catapulted us and really allowed us to like connect on a different level. Mm-hmm. Remember we were like answering each other's or, um, we were filling in each other's sentences without that person even finishing because we were fucking locked in. It was like telepathy. Yeah. And so like, that level of intuition and and present moment and feeling (laughs) that's a funny thing it's like you start saying something i'm just nodding my head i'm like yes yes yeah (laughs) and we were like laughing about it we were just so connected and like um aaron and i we we talked like when it was our two-year anniversary we're like what's one of the most memorable moments of the two years so Mm -hmm. far lsd trip together Mm -hmm we connected like a different kind of connection and some people be like oh well it's the drugs maybe but it's still impactful it was still one of the best mm-hmm. moments where i truly feel like i felt something it wasn't just like tripping out in la la land mm-hmm. i could feel like this sense of joy petting her face for fucking an hour mm-hmm. you know um yeah just these so i i, I wonder just if i um a little bit more freak because they're scary. They scare they they scare the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. It, like I find mushrooms aren't a thing where I just want to do them all the time. Yeah. It's like I want to do them. I'm like, wow, like I'm good for a while. That and that's heavy. that's the thing, you know. You, you could see how mushrooms is a doorway to that because one of the first things that happens on mushrooms is a lot of the time you start belly laughing hysterically right. and it's almost uncomfortable right. because you're not used to opening up to that extent with laughter. And your heart almost, almost it's almost gets emotional because you're yeah. like I'm not used to like laughing this much you know and I wonder like it almost brings the child out of you like mm-hmm. right it's like when we were kids like you, you know I was watching this TikTok the other day this dad was like making faces at this kid and this kid was like jaw to the ground like ah, 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 like couldn't even control his laughter it was so funny <laughs> but I'm like man he he's nothing but a ball of laughter right now yeah. that's the only thing vibrating through his body yeah. and sometimes when you do mushrooms as a an adult that happens you will just like hold it's like your body's been storing this child of like like this laughter in you and you do these things and all of a sudden it just releases all that tension you've been holding on yeah, to totally or like with with Kane you know like a uh, Kane went through a lot of shit when he was younger and I I never really felt any of it I never had um like empathy for him 
the way that I probably should as a brother. I do mushrooms, I ball my eyes out. I felt almost every, I don't want to say everything because I know you went through a lot and I'm sure it was hell for him, but um, I felt a lot of it. I could, I literally was like, I almost became Kane in that moment, was feeling it. And so I'm bawling my eyes out. I, I remember calling him after and everything, but like that type of shit. Like I, I would just like to be a little bit more connected to that. I think my life would be m- more enjoyable if I could tap into whatever that is. Yeah, that's an interesting one because a close friend of ours, I went up and did mushrooms with him, I don't know, probably 10 years ago at the lake. And on our kind of come down, he just was feeling so deep with like friendships. Mm. And he just got on the phone and started calling like friend after friend and leaving voicemails like, hey man, just out here at the lake making burgers. I was just thinking about you and just wanted to tell you I love you, man. Like I really appreciate everything you've done over the last year. But yeah, it's like you just it almost hits you it's like oh it's like I have some great people in my life and like I'm so happy I'm so grateful and it makes you feel it makes you feel but but me just thinking out loud here besides some of these intense psychedelics yeah I don't know how you get to that level and obviously this Aaron Rodgers and um, Aubrey got to it through psychedelics you know and one of the things that I like that he, that Aaron Rodgers said because I, I know a lot of people this is their fear and I Yes. I don't even know. You might have said this at one point, but a lot of people, they have this fear that if, let's say you're doing really successful in real estate or in a athletic endeavor or whatever, you're doing really well. You, Some people would say that I don't want to go do ayahuasca or do mushrooms because I don't want it to change my like my mindset and all of a sudden I start fumbling in my business or my personal life or my football career and uh Aaron Rodgers just said he's like it was for him the opposite and in his mind he thought that if you're on the right path ayahuasca would only enhance that path if you're on the wrong path it will show you Mm. so it's either way it's a win-win for him yeah you just might not realize it yet right it was like Aubrey when he did it and it said like this isn't your girl like this he was it was um they were engaged and ayahuasca kept saying like this this ain't it Mm. and he's like trying to argue with it and it just took him down a roller coaster ride it's a tough situation yeah but um so yeah anyway Aaron Rodgers does ayahuasca and the year after gets MVP the year after that gets MVP again so he, in his mind, it was like it just strengthened his purpose and his drive to be a good football player. Mm-hmm. The other thing it did was allowed him to care more. He just he wanted in his mind his like purpose is to show up to the best of his ability, no matter what he's doing. If he's a dad, a husband, a football player, a businessman, a podcaster, he just wants to show up and like give himself to the world. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know how you'd uh, like tap into that without substances some people might say like oh you know pray religion and yeah i possibly i don't know how they would mimic the experience of a psychedelic trip though i know some people can tap into it through meditation if you do it for years Mm -hmm. but i do think that psychedelics if you feel called to it and you feel it's right for you um i think that can be a like a catalyst and just catapult you in the direction that meditation might take you 20 years a psychedelic might take you a day do you know what yeah exactly it's like um if you have some ailment you could potentially take a pill that'll clear it up or else with the same ailment maybe it's a lifestyle change and it's not as drastic of a of a right 
it doesn't help you as drastically, but through time it will. Yeah. It's almost like if you don't want to do ayahuasca or DMT on a regular basis and it's like maybe don't have social media accounts. Maybe get an old flip phone that you only use for calling close people. You know, maybe take the TV out of your house, you know, like maybe change your lifestyle in a way where you're not getting all your dopamine zapped as much and you can start to slowly that month after month yeah. feel more. You know, yeah. that's obviously the more extreme extreme lifestyle change, you know, slower route that's maybe more subtle, but it's still yeah. something. And, and like, I, I'm not going to, I don't want to take away from what I've done over the years because I, I do feel like my life has gotten uh, 90% better. Like, I think in the last episode, it was like, it went from six out of seven shit days to like, I don't know, one or two out of seven days. Mm-hmm pretty fucking good i'm very happy with that and yeah. I'm, I'm again like i do genuinely feel like i'm on the right path i'm loving everything i just feel it's like um i don't know my my life is like what's what's not hd what's the tv that it's not hd <laughs> just regular tv yeah i suppose <laughs> yeah i want to go up to hd yeah. that's how i feel i yeah. feel like i'm like i'm like I, I feel stuff i get a little sad here and there i'll get angry i'll get happy i'll i'll feel love but i feel like there could be more so in life on those gray days on your bad days when you do feel that angst once a week or once every two weeks is that where it comes from is you just feel a little bit dull a little bit flat no that's no it's the opposite it's when i feel normal when i'm having a good day why why aren't i feeling a little bit more why isn't it a great day not even just a great day like i like i said like um it could, it could be like a really joyous moment like fuck man (laughs) it's like even getting my black belt i was almost crying when i was standing in line because of the other people I could see them getting emotional and like Mm -hmm. I said I'm almost like a chameleon like I'm like I almost get sad that I don't feel that sad and so that makes me sad Mm, I'm not I'm not like I'm not almost crying because I'm about to get my black belt when I got my black belt I I felt indifferent I almost felt like I'm like this is sweet and that's it and in my mind I'm like hey man feel more yeah, I know what you mean, bro. And I, so, I can kind of relate to that a little bit. And I, I, yeah, I figured you, I think a lot of people yeah. will feel this. Yeah. I hope. I don't know. Maybe they think we're yeah. fucking psychopaths. Yeah, you accomplished some, yeah, man. Like I've had it with, yeah, belt promotions where, you know, it's, and like at Dwayne's gym, yeah, when this LFA promoter was giving the speech about how much, how far Dwayne has come as a person and a martial right. artist you could see other people getting emotional and I'm picturing Dwayne and I'm picturing this guy in their journey and I'm getting emotional. But if, if like I'm getting called up to get a new belt, it's like, it's a lot of times it's such a flat feeling. Yeah. Or if I make my financial goal for the year, it's such a flat feeling. It's like right. nothing happens. It's like, sweet check mark. Cool. Okay. Right. I got to go do, do this now. Right. And it's, it's, it's like, <laughs> fuck. You know? yeah, and those guys literally just were like, you know, like, saying how much they love each other and they were just crying on a podcast and I'm like that'll I, well, I can't do that yeah I, I want to yeah. like it'd be great this is our moment man I tell me tell how you, much you yeah love. I could tell you I love you and I would just sit here like a stone cold killer and be like yeah let's, let's wrap this oh, up oh man yeah <laughs> but, that's a that's an interesting one man I don't know yeah you, you know some there's I know people that live on those ends of the spectrum and are more emotional that don't even smoke weed or, or wouldn't even think about like there's certain people I could think of who maybe get called up for a bell promotion or a, a stripe and I can tell like they're physically showing how much it means to them mm-hmm. and I know that person doesn't dip into you know psychedelics yeah. so it's like certain people 
for whatever reason, maybe it's a genetic thing, maybe it's the choices they've made, but they they, they are feeling these yeah. extremes, you know? Well, it's, that's one of the things. I mean, that that's just humans. Some humans have better brain chemicals. Some some have, like, better balance in their brain, and that's all it is. Yeah. Some people, yeah, it's, it's through their life experiences where maybe they were just, um, maybe when they were younger, maybe the, the, the way their parents raised them, help them develop those types of emotions. I think childhood experience has a lot to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. Like my, my dad was very stoic, very indifferent. I I never really saw him mad, never really saw him happy. Yeah. Right. Like, and so like in my mind and Kane's mind, I'm sure, um, we, we saw that and my mom probably the same thing. I I think they were both relatively stoic in that sense. Yeah. Like I, I I would never see them like howling, laughing or, or like, um, yeah, crying or, or anything. It was pretty flat. Hmm. And so, you know, maybe I, I just picked up on that. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I seen my dad hysterically laugh this weekend. Oh yeah. On Thursday night, we watched a newer standup from Bill Burr. Oh yeah. Yeah. Man, it was really good. But my dad was, was like so... almost in tears. <laughs> I was looking over to him. I'm like, man, he's having a hard time right now. That's <laughs> like, my dad's favorite comedian. Yeah. Yeah. So funny. He's man. funny. So um, funny. Well, I, I know we're not going to get to the end of this problem today, but it's like I, I would like, I'd like you to combat that somehow. It's I'm, shitty. It's shitty to like have to, have to have to feel that way. You know. I'm. I have a couple things that I'm going to do. Um, I, I'm, I want to. I need to reach out to everybody that I communicate with on Instagram because that's how I do a lot of privates that way. Uh, like pretty much everybody just messaged me on there, so yeah. I just I'm constantly like having to check. I'm going to message them and just give them my phone number and just say text only, but I want to take seven days off, like just zero YouTube videos, Netflix, social media, zero. Yeah. I don't want to take videos, photos, even for later. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to do that. I'm going to do a, another psychedelic soon. Hmm. I, I, yeah. It's calling you. Yeah. I, I, I feel it. And again, like I'm in a good place. I'm not, this isn't coming from like a, I don't feel dark. I just feel like a, I, I know that I could bump my life up to an HD TV. Mm-hmm. I know something could get enhanced a little bit. I feel that there's yeah. like a valve that shut off. Yeah. Um, there's kind of a cool thing going off of the, the way of the superior man is talking about how, um, if you're, whether you're a male or female, but if you feel detached from your masculine energy, they said the the best way to reconnect with it was through challenge. The masculine grows through challenge. The feminine grows through love and community and connection. Mm. So for like the feminine, you could like, you know, go uh, like Aaron told me about this thing that there's like an opportunity where uh, it's women only and they're doing like some breath work, uh, maybe some meditative practices. I don't know if massages in there or something, but just kind of like a cool, almost like a spiritual practice. And at the very end, they get to eat cake naked. That's like a like that's a feminine thing. You feel safe. You feel open. You're you're getting some pleasure. Like it's like this really loving, bonding connection. Men, if you want to get in touch with your masculine, it's almost like the opposite. Like you have to go into the woods by yourself only survival necessities and challenge yourself. Like that's where like the masculine grows. So I wonder if something like that, maybe during 
the the social media fast or the dopamine fast would help me connect with something a little bit more not that i mm -hmm. maybe need more masculine but yeah um yeah i thought that was interesting where it's like yeah if you feel like you're lacking something like that it just said remove pleasures that's where masculine grows mm -hmm. do a fast do a like a that 65 hard or 75 hard challenge like do something challenging and overcome that and the masculine energy will like grow mm -hmm. inside of you interesting yeah for, yeah yeah, it's uh, well. I think you're off to a good start by planning to do that, man. I think the uh, like the social media and the screen time in general is yeah. uh, is a big factor that plays into that feeling. And it's unfortunate because, like, I can relate to some of the things you're feeling. Like, I really can. But you know, it's like, man, it's unfortunate because life is such a blessing to just be healthy and like be where we are. Like, when you stop and look at it like it's such a blessing and an opportunity but but yeah we have such a challenging time with it sometimes yeah it, it can suck sometimes and it shouldn't suck you know yeah i know especially like again like living the life that that we live like i feel like i've created like a a blissful amazing life and so that's why i think i'm like i i, I would like to experience this like a, on a little bit more of a like a, like experience this with steroids not actually yeah, but yeah. like i want to like yeah. bump me up a little yeah see i I, the thing I struggle with more is is like doing too many things, being too busy. Mm. You know, I, I that affects me more than like I'm not feeling enough. I'm not appreciating moments as much as I should be because like I can like I was in BC last weekend and so many of the there's so many moments during the trip where I was just taking in the present moment. Like we're on a beach, it's plus thirty seven. And I'm like feeling the sand in my toes. You know, I have some people around me who are like laughing and I'm just like, this moment is amazing. Mm. And there was so many of these moments where I wasn't in tears by any means, but depressed. No, I was like, <laughs> I was feeling a lot. I was like, this is amazing. Like, you know, we're out walking and there's a beautiful sunset and it's like warm. And I'm just like, this is, this is so amazing. You know, there's mm. so many times where we stopped and we're like, this is awesome. Right. Like this life feels so good right now, you know? So I, I have different struggles than that right. one, but but I can relate to that feeling. You know? See, for you, you might need to eat cake naked with a bunch of like feminine people <laughs> and tap into your feminine side because the masculine is very controlled and they want to plan. They want to fucking like so you're like to do list and mm. blah blah blah. Like I want to do all this shit. Yeah. Just busy, busy, busy. Yeah. That tends to be the masculine energy taking over yeah so sometimes yeah eating cake naked <laughs> i might have to give that a try it doesn't sound bad <laughs> yeah it's very pleasurable um on a different note um did did you speaking of other podcasts you know we this is the podcast where we talk about other podcasts <laughs> mindful much, ninjas man. yeah did you happen to hear andrew tate on the full send no i didn't I um I I clicked on it and I was like I've I've been kind of watching his TikToks for a while and I'm like this guy's too much for me and fuck this fucking guy. Do you know what man? I agree. He's too much. He's extremely egotistical. He's very disrespectful. What percentage of stuff that he says is right? A decent amount, man. Yeah. And here's the thing that I respect about him. I think that he says a lot of the things that a lot of guys think, but would never dare to say it. Yeah. And I give kudos to him for having the balls to just be like, look, I'm going to offend a lot of people, but this is the facts. Yeah. This is how, this is the human nature of how guys think. This is how things are. This is how things are set up in the world. And it is what it is, whether you like it or not. And 
man, he says a lot of good shit, but he says a lot of outlandish shit. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know what the percentage is, but I feel like 60, 65% of what he says is right. 70% maybe. Well, <laughs> let's see what you think about this. He ta- He's big on morally cheating. Meaning if you're a guy. Oh yeah, yeah. And you have a girlfriend. Maybe you're a guy of high status. You've done really well for yourself. You you've you know you live a really eloquent life. If you have a girlfriend and um, you you basically bring her status up. You know you're taking her places she's never been. She's experiencing things she's never done. She has things she's never had. You can cheat on her now and then, and she should just be okay with that because it's part of the package. You know, it's like you're still my girl and I love you, but I'm gonna sleep with other girls sometimes and. If you don't like that, fine, you know, go on your own. But it's like, you should accept that because I'm raising your lifestyle in other areas, I might sleep with another girl from now and then. And that's fine and it can work. But she's not allowed to do it. Exactly. Because she's not offering him shit. Right. It, I mean, that that's like a like a individual base-to-base thing. <laughs> like in that scenario... Like, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe the girl's like an Instagram model and she's like, I'm not going to do shit with my life unless I latch on to this fucking guy. And like, look, the type of woman that is going to be with Tate or Andrew Tate, Hey, you're not someone that you bring home to my mom anyway. Yeah. You're just, you're just with him for the money. Yeah. And so, yeah, you guys can do whatever kind of toxic bullshit you want to do. But in my mind, I, I, because I read the way the superior man, he would take that and he would say that, yes, Every, 80% of men, which is what he talks about, have more masculine energy than feminine energy, are going to fantasize about other women. That's just how it is. That's how the man brain works. But you make a choice, you commit, and you now have to use that desire and that fantasy about another woman. Use it to like um, fuel you and almost bring you this energy. That, that He always talks about like feminine gifts. That's a big part of the feminine gift is to like increase the life of man. And so, like, the man can almost take some of that energy and not go cheat on the wife, but they can use it to better their business. They can use it to go to the gym. So now you're taking some of the darker desires that, like, most men have, and you're channeling it to something good. You don't want to suppress it, nor do you want to just go sleeping around and then tell your girl that she can't do that. To me, that's fucked up. Yeah, it's... I that whole power structure yet like it could work if you're with somebody and you don't really love them and you're just together yeah and you have this agreement but if you're truly with somebody that you love and you're trying to be committed to each other and loyal it just it just wouldn't work stuff like i'm picturing myself being with my girl right now i could never i could never cheat i would have to break up i couldn't cheat because even if i could keep a secret it would manifest and i would sabotage the relationship in another way like i i would feel so shitty that I would bring a different version of me to the relationship and I would, I would ruin the relationship. Right. You know, it's like, I think about like, just after listening to him, I think about these things and I'm like, yeah, you just couldn't do it. It's like, you'll always find a way if you're, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. (laughs) (laughs) So I like in, in my mind, like the, like, like you said at the very beginning, once you started talking about Andrew Tate, you said, he says what a lot of men are probably thinking. And I, and I think that's true. I think that, there's a lot of men that have very similar feelings, but with less of like a sharp attitude and like arrogance to uh, it. Yes. And the guy who wrote the book, The Way of the Superior Man, it's almost like Andrew Tate wrote that, but Andrew Tate who did psychedelics and found love or like, like a more yeah, loving yeah, Andrew yeah, Tate. Yeah, for sure. Because this guy talks about a lot of the stuff that Andrew Tate does. 
but yet he does it in a far more fair, loving, empathetic way. And so when we when I made that post of you and I with the photo here and I talked about the the way the spirit man, um, there's two people who commented. One of them I know is very in touch with his feminine. So he was probably the 20% that this book is not for. So let's get that out of the way right away. Um, hangs out a lot of van lifers, a lot of van lifers, very hippy dippy, very soft, very feminine. Not saying that's a bad thing, but it is what it is. He's probably far less masculine than me. He must have just got triggered when he saw the word superior man. And so he wrote like a novel in the comment section just saying how this is fucking wrong and blah, blah, blah. Um, so I think Andrew Tate is offending a lot of people that are much more feminine. Yeah. Again, that's not a bad thing, but you just have to understand like me and that guy who commented that are two different people. I have like 70% masculinity or whatever the percentage would be. He has 15%. So when he hears something masculine, he just sees red and was like, nah, like, no, I don't like it. I'm offended. It's against everything I live for. Cool. But like a lot of us over here, we view it differently. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think this book like tackles a lot of that more masculine type shit that Andrew Tate talks about, but in a way better way, in my opinion, this, the guy who wrote that book is thoughtful, empathetic, yeah. smart. Th that's a good point. And like I said, there's certain things I respect about what he's saying and it's certain things that are factual but you have to like this guy just refers to women as bitches all the time yeah he openly expresses that he's basically a um just a scammer you yeah. know like he had the webcam business where there's these hot girls and he was on the keyboard yeah hustling all these guys money yeah and so so i mean he's a con artist like he's a he's a kind of a piece of shit yeah so yeah but it's just interesting like he, he seems to know and understand a lot about life like even just the agenda of the global elite yeah. and how things are run with education like he gets into things and yeah he's kind of a piece of shit but a lot of the stuff he says he, it's, it's facts you know it is man it's one of those things where it's, it's and it's really tough for people to to it's like an alex jones man he said some really messed up shit he, he said some shit that probably got people in trouble probably offended a lot of people but he gets a lot right so you can't just like dismiss everything he yeah, says. It's yeah. like Andrew Tate. Like, man, you're like, God, you're an ignorant piece of shit. Yeah. And then another video comes on. I'm like, damn, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and it's like Jordan Peterson. People discredit themselves when they have that persona. Yeah, Jordan Peterson, man. Some people, I, like you'll make a video of him saying, um, like a very, like nobody could argue it. But the voice of Jordan Peterson will offend people because of something he talked about with the LGBTQ. And so they just throw everything out that he says. Oh, you're a piece of shit. Really? I think he's helped millions of people. He might have, he, he offended you here, but 80% of what he says is amazing. So like, take it, you know, ji yeah. kundo, take the good, leave the bad. Yeah. You know? Nobody's ever going to just satisfy everybody with everything that they say and just do it 100% right. Yeah. Especially if you're somebody that puts yourself out there with a podcast, with lectures, with yeah. whatever it is, you know? And let's be honest, Andrew Tate, he has social media figured out. We are addicted to drama. We're addicted to hateful things. Yeah. Why do you think the news, that's all they post? Why do you think that is? That's what Andrew Tate's doing. He's tapping into that shitty part of the human brain that is obsessed with negativity. So he says things that this book said in a positive way, but he's saying it in a negative way and people are just all over it. They love it. Even if they say they hate it, they're addicted to feeling mm -hmm. upset and offended and fucking commenting, being you sexist, misogynist, piece of shit. He's got it on lockdown. 
He knows he's, what he's doing. He's trolling yeah. big time. Yeah, he, he knows what he's doing. He's got the social media in the palm of his hands. And yeah. he, it, it goes back to our psychology, like you said, with that whole thing, like the loss aversion, where it's going to hurt you more if I take $100 from you than if, if you win $100 from me. Mm. And it, it's like the negative, the loss is more impactful than the gain, the positive. Right. So it's just how we're wired, you know? Yeah. And that's like, yeah, going, and I didn't even mean to start this on like a, like talking about how I wasn't feeling. It almost is like this. Um, anyway, I feel like Andrew Tate or the world could use a little bit more of what Aaron Rodgers was expressing. Yeah. Could you imagine like how different the world would be if like more people had like more empathy, like instead of him calling like women bitches all the time and just treating them like property, um, like fucking use different language. Yeah. Like you could still yeah. be a badass. You're not going to be as big, but you could still be a millionaire. You could still inspire men. You could still say the cool shit that you say, but leave the arrogant fucking sexist bullshit yeah. out. And yeah. some of it's like totally trolling. Like he said, if he had a friend that had a heart attack, he wasn't going to help him. Like that shit's funny. He's not serious. Yeah. If his friend was having a heart attack, he's calling help. He's going to do something about it. Like there are certain things that he is trolling. It's for sure. You can even see it in that little smirk of his. He knows how to trigger people. Yeah, man. And like, you know, speaking to people that feel a lot, like even the way that he laughs sometimes, man, I've heard him laugh really hard and I'm like, man, like... I just like seeing him like laugh really hard. Like there was a few things that I heard on a podcast where like, yeah, he was just howling. And I was like, man, it just made me laugh and smile because of how joyous he was, yeah. how happy he was. I, li- I started listening to Elon Musk on full send. And speaking of creepy laughs. <laughs> he's so awkward. Man, man. his laugh, he's like, ha, 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 ha. He keeps going and the guys are looking around. They're like, is that fucking for real right now? Like, I wonder what laugh is worse, <laughs> Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos? I, I've never heard Jeff Bezos talk. <laughs> That's his laugh. No word of a lie, man. He did something the other day. Oh, my God, straight powers. Dude, oh, like psycho, like evil villain yeah. type shit. But yeah, he did something the other day, man. It's like Ben Rothwell's yeah. post-Octagon inter- interview. Man, if you watch Jeff Bezos laugh, you'll you'll crack up, man. That's what oh, it is. Man. I laugh like a fucking schoolgirl. I laugh quietly. Yeah. Yeah. It's usually silent. Can I can I keep going down this dark path with a couple topics? Yeah. Um, the jiu-jitsu world had a big... Uh, I saw that. So I don't know if you know much about this guy, but... Um, You've probably seen him before, like yep. Leandro Lowe. Yeah. He um he was a eight time world champion jiu jitsu. He was he's like one of the I don't want to say the guys on the Mount Rushmore of jiu jitsu competition, but he was like in the top ten of you know just well known competitive jiu jitsu athletes for the last decade. Mm. Like one of the one of the guys, and not just like a good competitor, but you could tell he was like a big personality, like helped a lot of people, super well known. And yeah, he got killed this weekend in, in Brazil. And did, do you know what happened? Yeah. 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 So from what I read, maybe you'll have shed some different light on it, but they were at a music festival and um, somebody was came up to his him and his group and was taunting him with like a bottle or a broken glass bottle or something. So it, all the article I read said is they got into like a scuffle of fight and this Leandro immobilized him. And then somebody came and just shot him in the head from like point blank. So do you know what happened? So, the, and this is, this is what I read that same thing. Yeah. The guy, this Leandro got him down and it was like, are you done? And the guy said, yes. Yeah. So he lets him up. The guy goes home or goes to his car. Leandro stayed oh, in the scene. Fuck. 
And so what? I think it was that Tom Tom De De Blas De Blas. Yeah. What's, what's his Tom, name? You know what I'm talking about? I know. I know. I can't say his last name. Yeah. I think he posted something about like this is why it's important that if you get in a scuffle at a bar that you leave the scene. Like if you get in a fist fight with someone and it's over, it's it it might not be over. You should just go home. Now it's your time to leave. So I think what happened wow. was that guy he, he demobilized him or immobilized whatever. Yeah. The guy went to his car, got a gun, came back, shot him twice. Fuck man. Killed him. Fucking scumbag. Off duty cop too. Military guy. Who the guy that they shot him? Oh wow. Yeah. Wow. Got him. Probably got embarrassed. He's got manhandled by a black belt. Like, I bet there was a lot of embarrassment going on, and that's maybe why he did it. And think of what you just said. How responsible that is for a guy like Leandro. He, he doesn't fucking beat the shit out of him and kick him when he's down. He probably choked him. He probably mounted him. I think that. And said, look, I don't want to hurt you. Are you done? Are yeah. you done? And when the guy says done, lets him up. Man, they, they should absolutely death penalty that scumbag. And this guy what do you this, do with that guy? Kill him. Right? <sighs> What are you gonna do? Life sentence. I mean, for sure, it's 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 premeditated first degree murder. Yeah. And then our tax money goes to keeping that rat in jail. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Easier I, said I, than done. I'm not the one pulling the trigger, but man, people like that, man, absolute scumbags. I hate to see such tragedies happen. Like this guy's 33. He's our age. Oh wow. Oh, like you know, people with a blessing, people with a gift, people who spread something positive, people who inspire getting killed over some dumb shit yeah. you see it with like rappers like nipsey hustle right. it's like some dumb egotistical shit that just it's just a snap response and you fucking take a life Ugh. an impactful life you know like a, a youthful life still and it's you hear things like this man and it's like nobody's safe and you know this this goes back that's that's a good comment from this tom de guy or whatever his name is but it goes back to what we were talking about a while ago of you know, you can be a black belt in bang Muay Thai. You know, you could be a black belt in jiu-jitsu. You could be a world champion. In the in the street altercation world, it just doesn't matter. Yeah, it's there's nobody plays by rules. There's weapons involved. There's it's just, it's scary, man. Yeah. You know, and like our our affiliate in Burnaby, BC, um, Eddie Cadena, I believe his name is. I'm probably not saying it right. He's a black belt uh, in fight jiu-jitsu affiliate, and he made a post about this, and he said like it's one of the reasons we migrated to canada is just the violence in brazil you know mm. and apparently shit like this can just pop off very commonplace there you know and it's yeah it's it's messed up but it it almost reminds me of like uh, and this could be cowardice could be smart depending on how you look at it remember when i was the mountie police and i punched the devil at halloween yeah super young at athena's yeah what did i do i left the scene i cracked him in the face he fell and then I ran home. A lot of our other friends stayed around. What happened to them? Three of our friends got knocked the fuck out because those guys stayed there and yeah. they got more people. Yeah. And the devil was big. And yeah. so it's like it's Smart. like a lot of people, it's like just leave the scene. The brawl already happened, but these people are so chirping, they stayed outside, they lingered. Nothing, gonna Nothing good is gonna happen yeah. after that initial scuffle. Yeah. It gets it gets worse and worse. Yeah, that's a good point, man. It's scary. Yeah. One last thing. I watched the fights this weekend. I don't know if you've seen them. Um, Which ones? Who fought? No, I didn't watch them. So, Muhammad Usman fought. Kamaru Usman's yeah, older yeah. brother. He looks, he, oh, yeah. Was that the guy that I was at the, the DMT? Yeah. So, he. I remember commenting yeah, to yeah. you when we were at the Genesis Training Academy in right. Denver. I was like, hey, that's Kamaru Usman's brother. Like, oh, I just no seen him on The Ultimate Fighter. Wow. Anyways, this um, 
um, Jake Ramos, the guy who was instructing us, like was yep. in his corner for the oh, UFC sick. fight. And I was like, fuck yeah. So he does train there. That was him. That's cool. And then he knocked the guy out and he won the ultimate fighter. And, um, oh, that was the ultimate fighter finale, yeah. that fight. Oh, yeah. Okay. So yeah. he knocked the guy out cold and he won the ultimate fighter. And this Jake Ramos was there and I'm all like That's cool. school girl to my girlfriend. Like that guy was teaching me and Jesse. Yeah, yeah. But, um, <laughs> on another dark note, do you know this Muhammad Usman's motivation for getting into MMA? No. So he, he was always an athlete. I think he might've played football, but in 2019, he, um, his two year old son drowned. Mm. So I, I don't know the full details, but wow. he was, you know, his two-year-old son was out of supervision for momentarily and in a pool, I believe, and he fell in or something and he, and he drowned his two-year-old Fuck. son. So this guy's, like his whole motivation for fighting is like he's doing it for his son. I think Nash is his name, but it's, uh, wow. and so he was like really emotional after this fight, obviously. Yeah. But think that, about that, like a parent's worst nightmare, man. Oh man. It's it's like what uh, Justin, or was it Michael no, yeah, it was Justin Gaethje on on maybe the Full Send podcast. They asked him about like beating Khabib, and he was like, mm-hmm. nobody was beating Khabib that day. Yeah, he's like his why was stronger than everybody's, let alone his skill by itself. But yeah. he's like his dad died. Yeah. He's fighting for his dad. You can't match that why. You know what? What's your why to retire <laughs> sooner? Like to to make a million bucks to whatever? Like raise money for this or that? He's like, no, that guy, his dad died. He's fighting for like legacy. His, dad his, his dad who just passed away like he can't beat that you know but khabib might be the exception yeah because i remember there was this guy in the ufc his 19 year old daughter oh, was yeah, yeah. kidnapped from a convenience store and like right. murdered and chopped up oh wow and he came and i felt it was this is hard to watch because it was his first fight back after this tragic event of losing his daughter and the UFC guys are like, you know, he's coming out with all this purpose, like all this emotion, this. and he got his ass beat. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, fuck. He needed more family members to die. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> we might need to end it there. <laughs> kind, <laughs> of a, kind of a dark episode, but... Uh, yeah, fuck, who knows. Uh, anyway, um, you got anything else to co- talk about? Not much, man. I'll just basically... You know, I got back from BC before when we did the last one. I was heading up to BC. Oh yeah, fifteen-hour drive there. It's a long drive. That's I don't think I'm going to drive, drive again. Yeah. You know, it's a good relationship tester. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, we did good, man. It, it wasn't torture. It was just simply too long. Yeah, it's worth flying. Like hey. you, you leave at five forty-five a.m. You get there at ten thirty at night. Right. You know, it's like, hey, man. <laughs> yeah, but it's a long trek, man. Yeah, but back in business, back nice. training, doing the damn thing. And uh, here we are, episode 74. Oh, yeah, and I go to see Senchai this week, so I'll, I'll probably talk about that experience on the next. Hell yeah. Oh, no, because we're going to be doing the one before I leave, yeah. maybe. Yeah. We'll see. Or, uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll we might see. do it after. We'll but see. Anyway, episode 74. Thanks for listening. Thank you, guys.